Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing, episode 425. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprincing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 425. Our first sponsored thanks goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Manika Pugh of Floras and Bouquets, based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Listen for my conversation with Manika in the second portion of this episode. The San Juan Islands are home to many beautiful gardens and residences, properties and romantic wedding venues, and of course, flowers. A few weeks ago, the San Juan County Master Gardeners Foundation brought me to the island for their fall workshop. What a privilege to deliver the keynote presentation on the Slow Flowers story. And the fact that two Slow Flowers members who live on San Juan Island were in attendance made the experience even better. Today, you will meet them both. I arrived early enough on October 18th to connect with floral designer Erin Shackelford of Camas Designs and grower designer Jenny Harris of Catkin, who you will hear in today's episode. Jenny had invited us to tour the garden where she grows David Austin garden roses for local floral customers, including Camas Designs. The property is an extension of Jenny's friends and garden design clients, Elaine and Miles Frizzell. Elaine and Jenny collaborate on their small-scale garden rose venture. After the tour, Elaine graciously warmed us up with mugs of tea and hosted us around her dining table for this recording. You'll hear from Erin, Jenny, and a few comments from Elaine. I hope you can keep everyone's voices straight. Here's a bit more about our San Juan Island guests. Camus Design's motto is locally sourced happiness. Erin's studio primarily sources from local farms, and she believes a direct path to happiness is one with simplicity at its core. As co-owner of Camus Designs, along with her artist-educator husband, Robert Shackelford, Erin creates floral arrangements for weddings and special events in the San Juan Islands and Greater Seattle. Partnering with local farmers to capture the beauty of the season, Erin designs with nature, sun, and clients as close collaborators. She creates designs that embody the couple, the environment of their event, and the mood they wish to instill for guests. Erin's passion is flowers and their ability to convey feelings, emotions, and meanings beyond the realm of words. She has created bouquets for neighbors, friends, and strangers, often anonymously, since she was eight years old. After decades in corporate America, Erin's revelation was her, that her heart is only fulfilled when immersed with the elegance and simplicity of nature. Happiness for Erin is found creating floral designs for others and, whenever possible, sourcing the flowers locally from farmers she calls friends. She writes this on the Camus Designs website. We're proud to be part of the slow flowers movement, meaning the majority of our flowers are sourced from farms within our region. This local sourcing ensures your wedding florals are one of a kind and contain the freshest ingredients around. Whether it's a beautiful cafe au lait dahlia, a vine with swirling tendrils or seed pods to add just the right amount of texture, we likely know the farmer 
that grew each stem, and we bring that personal touch to your bouquet, arrangements, and more. I've recently written about one of Aaron's design projects, a moody autumn-styled photo collaboration, which appears in the October issue of Florist Review. I'll share a link so you can see that story in today's show notes for episode 425. Our second guest, Jenny Harris, and I first met more than 15 years ago when she lived on nearby Lopez Island and ran Bellwether Perennials, a nursery for unusual perennials and shrubs suited to the island environment, as well as a landscape design business. Jenny has since relocated to San Juan Island and describes herself as a grower of plants, a teacher of gardening. About two years ago, Jenny reached out with this note. She wrote, Deborah, I've unintentionally created an obsession in the best possible way in a client turned friend for pursuing growing cut flowers. She went on to reveal her interest in growing roses, shrubs, woodies, and perennials for the local San Juan Island market only, writing, no annuals for me nowadays. And she added, we've just read your 50-mile bouquet and might very well be headed in that direction. It was so rewarding to reconnect with Jenny in person earlier this month after so much time had passed and to pick up exactly where we left off, sharing similar interests in environmental stewardship and soul-enriching plants. Through Catkin, Jenny's work is holistic, highlighting the native and natural, low-water use, organic, conscious, and a harmonious approach to living with and caring for plants and other beings. She writes, I believe that gardening and gardeners can have significant positive influence on the myriad stresses upon our earth and her family of living creatures. I have been creating gardens, helping others in their own gardens, and learning and sharing about plants since 1989, most of those years in the San Juan Islands, though my formative time was in an old garden in the foothills of the Santa Cruz Mountains of California. While I have formal horticultural training, I have found my greatest learning has come from working alongside more learned and elder gardeners and the plants and gardens themselves. I learn something in every garden and from every gardener I meet. I bring to my life's work an interest in plants that extends far beyond the confines of a particular ecosystem. What matters to me is that a plant cannot only survive where it finds itself, but thrive within a planet, human, and animal community. With Elaine Frizzell, Jenny's relatively new rose-growing project currently includes 13 varieties of David Austin roses, and a few old garden roses. They take orders for 12-stem bunches, mixed or sometimes single variety, during the growing season to supply floral designers, businesses, and individuals interested in weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly orders. These are truly special flowers grown naturally with love on San Juan Island. I've asked Aaron to share images of Camus Design's floral creations and Jenny to share images of Catkins, Gardens, and Roses, which I'll feature in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. There you can also find links to their social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am coming to you today from Friday Harbor on San Juan Island in the famous San Juan Islands of Puget Sound, uh, about 100 miles north of Seattle, and I'm so excited to have two Slow Flowers members on as my guests today. We're going to talk about all things island. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Erin Shackelford from Camus Designs. Hi, Erin. Hello. It's great to be with you. And my next guest is Jenny Harris from Catkin. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Deborah. And we're in the beautiful home of our hostess, uh, Elaine Frizzell. And you'll probably hear Elaine jump in. Thank you, Elaine. You're welcome. Elaine is um, uh, collaborating, I guess, with with Jenny in um, rose growing. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but I want to talk. I want to just introduce you to Erin. Talk a little bit about her business, and then we'll pop over and talk to Jenny about what she's been doing. And um, we'll end this. Uh, conversation talking about um, what it's like to cultivate and design with local flowers on an island because there are unique uh, challenges. <laughs> I guess we'll there say that are. in a positive way. Erin, yeah. um, give us a snapshot of Camus Designs. I, I can't remember. You've been in business for about five years, right? Yeah, we are. We're going into our fifth wedding season. Um, we started as a definitely second career for me. I had been um, Vice President of Human Resources for years in the biotech industry, and um, smartest move, dumbest move, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so you went from like like the, the competitive salary to the yes, to questionable the, salary? to the far questionable salary. <laughs> um, most of my friends said that I was insane, um, but yeah, it, 
probably what a lot of people would define as the height of my career. I walked away from it and started a flower business. Um, mm. Had always loved working with flowers, um, but more so from friends and family and things like that. It was kind of my relaxation. Um, so this was a huge um, step for me and one of the few that I didn't overthink. Uh, usually kind of overthink things and I just kind of did it. Kind of more of, of like this, the spirit moved you sort of, it, uh, you felt confident doing it. Really, it. it really did. And I love it. I have not, I just have never regretted it. Um, it's definitely a different way of life, um, different salary, different um, way of being. Um, but I get to meet the most phenomenal people. Um, a lot of people say, oh, you're in the wedding business. I bet you have a lot of bridezillas. Um, I really don't. I get to work with the most lovely couples and I don't know how I've dodged, um, the bridezillas, but I really feel really lucky that, mm-hmm. of the couples that I get to work with. And I get to work in a beautiful space on this Island and get to know growers like we're going to talk to today. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really been fantastic. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. You, when you decided to leave corporate human resources in biotech. I can't imagine anything more 180 degrees opposite from being a wedding florist. Um, were you, you were a city dweller and, and is that correct? And then the correct. San Juan Islands was sort of a part of that lifestyle change or like, how did you yeah, bite I off did that in, apple? Um, two steps in that my husband had this great idea looking back on it, um, that we were going to hit the reset button as far as careers. Both of you. Both of us. Mm-hmm. And he said, what would we do or what would you think about if we just both left our jobs and we sold our house and we moved into our little cabin that we had had up on San Juan Island oh, wow. and just kind of took a breather mm. and then went back to Seattle and we could get jobs again, but maybe rent an apartment instead of having a house and have less of a footprint in the city mm-hmm. with the eye on the prize that one day we would end up on the San Juan Islands. So I was like, I don't know, but I was working all the time. Um, all the time. And so I thought, well, why not? So it was sort of like your your lifeline then to just get out of that insanity. It was. And Mm -hmm. I had kind of given up all my hobbies and all my interest and it just had become all about work. Um, so in 2012, Robert and I both left our jobs. We sold our house. Um, we sold or gave away more than half of our belongings and we moved into our 800 square foot cabin on San Juan Island. Wow. And I really um, didn't do much of anything. Robert, I thought I needed maybe a couple weeks off or a month. And he said, oh, no, babe, you need longer than that. So um, <laughs> You've got to bring it down a few bring it decibels. Down, yeah. So <laughs> Wait, I what really, time of year was that, by the way? That was, it was the beginning, I think, of summer. I okay. think it was, yeah, April probably, May, so it was a good time. Probably just yeah. as well, yeah. Um, but I didn't. I didn't work. Um, I helped a friend on a farm um, and uh, just kind of did a lot of nothing and a lot of soul searching. And then I went back. I started actually my own consulting business, but I started doing really similar things to what I had done before. Um, Took a full-time job again after that and then realized I was back doing it again. Wow. So I... um, I remember texting Robert up here one time. He was up here, and I was in Seattle, and I said, I just want to pick up my purse and walk out. Um, And I came home, and he had built a flower cart for me. And I was like, why Why did you build me a flower cart? Describe this flower cart. Oh, he had um, ordered random um, pieces of things from the internet uh-huh. and boards and stuff boards or? and like salvage boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not making it sound beautiful, but it's, it's the most beautiful thing to me. <laughs> he, had, um, <laughs> he had got um, tires that you use for a dock cart. Okay. Sure. Um, and painted it this really pretty color blue and then left some of the reclaimed wood just as reclaimed wood. And I came in one night and my, it was a dark rainy night and my headlights hit this thing in the driveway I was like oh my god what is that and I got out and there's this beautiful flower cart so I said I went in and I was like what is this he said it's an early birthday present I just wanted to remind you of what makes your soul sing Mm. oh my gosh wow he's a keeper he's a yeah he's a keeper so I went in and quit my job four days later wow and that was the time when even though we had walked away in 2012 it was kind of that going back and doing it again that made me realize I'm I'm supposed to do something else. Yeah. It's like the universe had to hit you over the head twice to get you there. Yep, I'm kind of slow. What year was that? 
That was um, the end of 2015. Okay. So I left my job in December. And granted, I had never allowed myself the thought that I would start my own company or it would be a florist business, but that was the area that was always kind of my passion. So as soon as I saw the cart, it it was. It was like a hit over the head. Wow. Um, quit my job and in January um, did all the business to form the LLC of Chemist Designs. And Chemist is a unique word that people outside of the Pacific Northwest may not know how important it is to us. Can you tell everybody why you chose that and what it means? Yeah, it's um, it's a native flower on the island. I believe it's um, native to the island. I'm looking at Jenny. Jenny's nodding. Jenny's nodding, so I got to go ahead. It's a native flower on the island. I always look at it as kind of the, the, the to me it always says hope because mm. it comes up really early in the spring and it doesn't, the, the leaves are kind of nondescript and all of a sudden you'll be hiking on the side of a mountain and you see these just gorgeous purple flowers and it just always says something beautiful is around. The yeah, the new birth of spring. And it was uh, used by Native Americans as a um, nutritional source, so they ate the root. I believe that's mm-hmm. correct as well. Jenny's not, we've got another one. Um, it's so, also, yeah, it also says it says place. It talks a lot about the place that you're basing your business too, right? And the place has been, um, I don't know if I could have done this move without the place. Mm. The place is really inspirational to me. Not only are the San Juan Islands just an incredibly gorgeous place, um, but you can find a lot of peace here. Mm-hmm. I've, I definitely found peace in my heart, but I just think it's a very peaceful, gorgeous, naturally gorgeous setting that you don't often see these days. No. And I have to say that my whole um, intensity and like of this go-go week that I've had just totally dropped down to mellowness, yep. just getting on that ferry boat yep. and coming here and seeing water and islands and yep. just breathing the air. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it really is. So before we move on to Jenny, I want to ask you about how you chose weddings as your focus in your floral business. Cause mm-hmm. you are a studio. You don't have retail, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. We started out doing more than weddings and events. We started out doing weddings and events. We did pop-up shops and we did subscriptions. So we would I have people, that. yeah, we would have people um, sign up for whether it's once a month or twice a month um, subscription flowers. And we did some dailies. If we had flowers in, we would do that. Um, but every year it seems like we tweak the business a little bit mm-hmm. um, more and the last several years have just been weddings and events. Um, I find that that's, um, the area that I enjoy the most. I love the connection with the couples. So yeah. that really drives it. it. To me, it's about the relationships. It's about the relationships with the growers. It's about the relationship with the couples. I love the people at the different venues where you work. So we really honed it into weddings and events. And are most of the weddings on? In, well, first of all, the San Juan Islands are multiple islands, Correct. right? There's like... There's a lot. Some that the ferry boats <laughs> go to and some that you have to have a private boat to go to. Right. So maybe we'll let Jenny... Jenny's lived on a few of them, so we'll, we'll let yes. her jump in and tell us. Are most of the wedding venues on San Juan? Or I know there's Orcas and what other islands? Lopez maybe that yeah, have the venues? ferry served ones are um, San Juan, Orcas, Lopez, and Shaw. Okay. The majority of our weddings are on San Juan Island, which okay. is where we are today. Okay. Um, we it's do the largest. Is no, maybe not the largest. Orcas. It's is, the most populated. Okay, that's what yep. it is. Yeah. Um, we do weddings on Orcas. I mean, we would do weddings any end of San Juan's, but it works out the most. That's where the venues are. San Juan's. Yeah. And uh, do you do any? Uh, um, I guess we'd call it the mainland, like. I don't know, down in, in Anacortes where the ferry I've done events is. in Seattle, mm, yeah. um, but it can be just, and I know we're going to talk about this too with between Jenny and I, but the, the logistics can be a little challenging. Yeah. So yeah. we find that the majority are on the island just because we'll go to the growers market typically to get the flowers and then our design studio is on San Juan. So if we have an event in Seattle, it usually involves me borrowing space from another designer in Seattle, which my friends down there have been so gracious about allowing me to do. Um, But the last, last wedding season, all of our weddings were up here. Well, that's your unique brand as well, is that you are an expert uh, for destination weddings in the San Juans. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, I know we're going to come back to, I have many more questions for you, Erin, but I can't, I can't let Jenny wait any longer. Jenny Harris, it is so great to reunite with you. 
I was just amazed when you said that we last saw each other. What did you, 2000? I think 2002. 2002. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, I was, I think I spoke for a garden club on Lopez Island, which is one of the other islands. And you were involved in that garden club and you actually took me around, I think, to see some gardens. I think you might remember it better than I do. Okay. But we did something. (laughs) But you know, we met because of Stephanie Feeney. That's right. That's how we really met. Okay. Well, remind me about that. So I met Stephanie for one edition of the Northwest Gardener's Resource Directory. And then when she died, you took over. I took it over. So, and, and that was in 2002. Oh, it was? I came out in 2002. This is a book that a wonderful woman who, uh, beloved by every gardener in the Seattle area, uh, Stephanie Feeney, started as a self-published project called the Northwest Gardener's Resource Directory. This is pre-internet almost. Yes. I mean, there might have been some internet, but um, when Stephanie died prematurely of breast cancer um, in her 30s, I believe, yeah. uh, Sasquatch Press bought the rights and asked me to publish the ninth edition. But you had met her earlier than that. I had met Stephanie, I think, in 97 when I started my my first little nursery venture, which was at Susan Bill's Farm on Lopez. So she included me in whatever edition that was. Oh, wow. And she was a remarkable, wonderful person. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought her up. Um, Okay, so Jenny, you've had a number of businesses. They haven't always been called Catkin. When I first met you, you... It was bellwether perennial okay. at the time. So when at that same time I met Stephanie, I started the nursery at Arbordown, which is Susan Bell's farm on Lopez, growing. That was my my introduction to flower farming. But I branched <laughs> off from her and started growing specialty perennials, which is my my passion. And were you were you growing them for your own clients and for others? Yes. Okay. My own clients and for retail. So um, then. Then I, that's how I met you. Yeah, which is how we brought you to the Lopez Garden Club. Yeah, well, the gardening community on any island has got to be pretty, mm-hmm. uh, a pretty fun group, but also pretty tight knit. And Lopez doesn't have a lot of population, so no. you knew everybody. I did. I did. <laughs> that's fun. I did. We just stayed in touch over the years, mm-hmm. and you had emailed me a couple years ago and said something to the effect of, you know, watch out! I'm starting to grow cut flowers, and you know, <laughs> I'm back in your world. Right. We also did something at the Hardy Plant Society study weekend. That's at right. At least one. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. When I the know. boys were little. Yeah, my wonderful boys did get dragged to a lot of gardening <laughs> destinations, and they still like gardens. It's I'm so lucky in their 20s they will at least deign to go to a botanical garden with mom. Um, but that trip to Lopez was really special. And, uh, you know, sometimes people come into your life, and they I do associate my friendship with you always to the San Juan Islands. Mm-hmm. And so here you are now. Uh, San Juan, right? And describe your business now and what all of the facets of what you're doing. So, I've I've reborn. I am reborn. My business is reborn um, in a similar vein to what I had on Lopez. So I was growing specialty perennials. I was not doing anything floral, but I've always been interested. So um, I took a long break, a dozen years of kind of nothing, uh-huh. and. Um, so, but they were waiting for you. I guess so. Yes, and Elaine here at the end of the table has been a, a big part in why I'm doing this again. Mm-hmm. So, designing, consulting, encouraging people to grow uh, gardens in a more ecological fashion. I'm all about no irrigation and no inputs and all of that. So, I decided meeting Aaron, learning about Aaron's, because I, I knew Aaron before Camus started. And as Aaron started talking about it and talking about flowers and saying, will you grow me flowers? Or what about this? And will you do this? Because the pursuit of a, if, if you're kind of sustainably minded or slow flowers minded as a florist, you've got to find sources. Right. That's half of the hunt, yeah. right? And, yeah. and so she looked at you and said, what? Why can't you grow me more cut flowers? Something like that. And, and I would say, I would send her lists of like these crazy perennials that nobody else grows. Because that's what I, I want to do is grow Unusual perennials, because that's always what I do. Oh, I want you to do that too. Yeah, sell them to somebody. That sounds good. So that's how it all happened. And then Elaine and I are designing her garden and planting her garden, and then we realized that we both love roses. And I thought that was perfect because low inputs, low maintenance, all of that, and I love them. Elaine loves them. Aaron wants them. Let's try it. So uh, we just toured 
this beautiful garden, Jenny, that you uh, designed, and but I want to say Elaine designed with you because you're you're the it's true. you're the well you're not the owner of this garden, Elaine. It it owns you, I think. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but uh, it's got we have a stunning view, and it's it's definitely influenced by the native landscape and the water, but um, but also kind of an odd shaped lot where you had to be clever about placing and they're at the very I guess you'd call it the southmost mm-hmm. part of the garden you you and Jenny have planted how many roses 63 63 and they're mostly David Austin garden roses oh, right? about 98 percent oh my gosh and it looks like uh it looks like a a rose garden that you would just a pleasure garden and but here it is cranking out beautiful garden roses that the two of you have kind of teamed up to create a little micro business growing and selling roses to the to the wedding industry That's right exactly what it is wow. and, and and really set out to be wholesalers directly to Aaron and anyone else who wants to because designing for events or designing is not it's not what I want to do mm-hmm. so I leave that to her you really love the growing part I love the growing part because I am I grew up farming and I studied horticulture so that's my entire life um, I want to talk about that path briefly uh, you made a comment about how um, something you said Jenny about how your agricultural training and your horticulture training kind of come together here at Elaine's garden and I guess I don't know what your training is and how did how do those two uh, paths come together, and and how did you get your start in those two fields? Well, I grew up on a on a big ranch in California that was in decline, but the the woman who owned it was a sort of a godparent to us, mm-hmm. so we became her family. So, mm-hmm. in her garden is where I cut my horticultural teeth, um, and we all sort of followed along in some sort of agricultural. Pursuit. I I went in a livestock way. I went into horses and cattle and sheep. Mm-hmm. But then when I was 24, I realized that I was actually a horticulturist. So I went back to school and got uh, did a program in horticulture at UC Santa Cruz. Okay. So then it was all plants from that moment. So what I mean is that so many of our horticultural skills have been informed by agricultural practices. I think that's diverging. Yeah. Now. But for me, it's a, a natural, I realize sometimes that people don't even know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about agricultural philosophy, mm-hmm. really. And then It's almost like stewarding the land yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's different. So it's an, I come from both places. Mm. So when I think about soil, I think about it as, uh, you know, caring for it in a, in a, from a farming perspective. Right. So... Um, like being I able, think, helping the soil be able to handle heavy inputs of, of intensely planted. Right, or um, regeneration. Or, yeah, or, yeah. Yes. So that's why I want to pursue perennial production rather than annual production, because I think we have to. Because perennials are more um, sustainable in, in, in many yes. ways, and it, the roses fit into that they category. Do. They do. So I know that people will always want annual flowers. Sure. But... We're going to have to start doing no dig. I mean, I, I feel very strongly about this. Well, and also you described the fact that there's very little irrigation uh, requirements in the way that you and Elaine have developed the Rose Garden. And I was, you know, even Erin was shocked. She's like, what? Yeah. You know, it, it, I feel proud when I can use, I don't, all summer long, I have four little rose bushes that I'm babying along. And I felt proud that I didn't, I never used our well water. I always used rain catchment Mm -hmm. to water them. So I was proud of that. And then Jenny tells me, well, you don't have to water them at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard for me to, I mean, I say that, but you know, there are variables, but we, we generally, and Deborah might concur, we generally overwater. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, And at the same time in the Pacific Northwest, especially west of, uh, the, the, uh, the Cascades, um, we have a very dry summer. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that is when we want our blooms to be thriving. And, and so we do kind of worry them right. to, to yeah. you know, with, and also like in my place, I, I have a brand new construction with uh, soil that was really harmed by the, you know, mm-hmm. by the home building mm-hmm. process. And it's every year, all I'm doing is pouring more compost into right. My bed's just trying to 
bring that thing back to life. So, right. so those those are exceptional circumstances. Okay, but I yeah. think because this this property, you know, you were just dealing with what just blackberry and just rocks, just and, old turf and rocks, right? But it's yes, soil soils make a big difference, but generally. We can choose plants that are appropriate to a site, and I think that farms have to do the same. I see what you're saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, this rose enterprise, is this, what season are you in with you and Elaine selling roses? This is the end of the second season. Okay, wow. Mm-hmm. So these are young plants. They went in March 2018. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. about how long I've had my David Austins. Uh-huh. Uh, you said that in June this place was just so fragrant people could smell the roses up on the street. They could. Wow. It was an amazing... We were amazed by last year. We thought, oh, there won't be any flowers to sell last year. That's not true. It was amazing too. But this Mm -hmm. year, they outdid any expectation. Wow. They were massive. So what's your actual practice? Erin was telling me earlier that she'll kind of send uh, you, Elaine and and Jenny, an email kind of with a a wish list on a color palette. Pretty soon you're going to know the names of all these varieties. You'll be very more, you know, more. (laughs) I know I rely on Jenny too much. I just. I correct her spelling. (laughs) Yeah, she does. Oh, (laughs) there's. That's okay. It, you know, you. I think you speak the same enough of the same language that. We but, so what will you? How will you do that if you have a wedding coming up? And obviously, you have to pre-order from other farms as well. Right. So I tend to buy most of our flowers that we use for our wedding work from the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. So I'll go down if the wedding's on a Saturday and pick up those flowers on a Wednesday. And then I'll reach out to Jenny and Elaine and say, here's the color palette for this weekend. By chance, is anything blooming in these? That fits into that palette. Yeah. Wow. And then I'll come, if if the answer is yes, then I'll come pick things up Thursday or Friday so I can get it, you know, super fresh. And these two are very humble with their growing, but I am not um, exaggerating when I say I'll add their roses to a bridal bouquet and it just, it takes it to a whole new level. It's, wow. they're just, they're stunning. They're just stunning. And then to tell that couple that these roses are from here, yes. from San Juan, it, it adds another level yeah. of relevance and kind of creating a memory for them. And then I'll keep pictures of a lot of them too, because we have so many brides these days when I'll ask them what flowers they like and what flowers they don't like. A lot of brides will say they don't like roses because they're and thinking of a different rose. They're thinking of a different yeah. rose. And so I'll show them a picture, maybe one of Jenny and Elaine's roses, and I'll say, what about this? And they say, well, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. it's, a, it's a different type. So they tend to be David Austin. You have mostly David Austins, right? And, and yeah. when are you, like, how are you, if you've de- determined the right stage to, to harvest? Like when the, what shape is the bud? Right. Well, we, we're still learning. Okay. It depends on what Aaron or whoever might need when. Um, it depends on the temperature. It depends on the time of year. And um, and then we're also learning how to treat them afterwards. But we've been cutting them about half open uh-huh. for the next day. Okay. But we did an experiment. We sent, I sent, I guess, a friend of mine was getting married in Juneau, and we decided, let's try it. So I cut them Tuesday morning tight. Right. And chilled them, gave them in water. You chilled them in water. A friend's cooler. Okay, yeah. Gave them to some of the family on Wednesday morning. They flew to Juneau, and they opened on Saturday. Wow. And they all survived. Oh, So that was pretty exciting. I didn't think it would work. Yeah. But it does. But Aaron says, no, they send them in the mail all the time. (laughs) And I said, okay, we'll give it a go. I was thinking, and Erin uh, didn't say this, but she's a new board member at the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, and uh-huh. I am a past board member, so I thank you for your service. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering if, you know, maybe you'll be taking extra roses from Catkin. and Possibly. From, uh, you know, but are, are, are you protective of your sources? <laughs> yeah, right now it's a... No, I would love for these guys to be able to expand. Yeah. Um, not just... We would selfishly, but just, um, right. yeah, I just, I feel that's one of the great things about making this career choice is I have the, um, such a gift of getting to choose who I work with and right. who I don't work with. And so not only do they grow fabulous roses, but they're just fabulous people. So I would love to see them grow their business. 
Yeah, we're going to get Elaine some overalls and some rubber boots. <laughs> and the rest of the grass is going to disappear. Yeah. Well, this is year two, so I I think we're, at, we're talking early days. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, I want to just get all of your thoughts about why, you know, what is, what are the challenges or the benefits of being on a place that is accessible only f- on a ferry boat? I mean, it, in some ways you're separated from the urban craziness, um, which is beautiful, but it, it's a, there's some challenges too. I mean, I don't know for Jenny, how do you get plants? How do you get soil? How do you, you know, deal with all of that? Do you have to do you have sources here on the island? Or? It's always been a struggle. And no, in my work, I've never purchased really anything except for maybe compost and mulch that okay. I can, can find. Um, can you find that on the island? Yes, okay. more and more. Okay. Um, so yes, that. I've never purchased plants from anyone that I know except for uh, John Stamey at Wild Bird Bamboo, an excellent farm. Oh, because you're just propagating and growing my own. your own. And my big problem is that I don't like anything that anyone else is selling. I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but you're drawn to. I the have a different interest, so yeah. that's why I ended up just growing my own things. But it's true. If you need something for a client, you have to go off island, mm-hmm. and it adds it adds time, it adds money, it's carbon. I you know it's yeah. str- it's a struggle. And there's that intentionality of choosing to be here, and and therefore wanting to try to be satisfied with everything that's available to you here and not. Um, I wanted to just, before I bounce to you, Erin, I wanted to ask you about something you mentioned when we were out in the garden, uh, Jenny, about you're adding your uh, list of available cut flowers Mm -hmm. to another another list that goes out to a CSA, right? Right. It's not a CSA so much as... um all the young farmers are having these things called fresh sheets. Fresh sheets, right. And it's all, it's all electronic and it's all very organized. So Zach Chan is growing the most beautiful vegetables I have ever seen in my entire life. And he has a list of retail customers and uh, wholesale restaurants. So every Wednesday and Friday or something, he sends a fresh sheet. And he said, why don't you just put your roses on my fresh sheet? And so what's the name of his business? New Hannah Farm. Okay. And so wow. we started doing that at the end of the season. Aaron's kind of done, and there are just little short things out there. So we started selling little bunches and big bunches, and we did it for three weeks at the end. And it's a sweet thing, and I think we'll carry on. So Zach thinks that we should set up our own fresh sheet to our own clientele, but we can still use this cooler. Oh, how well, I mean, that's a gift right there. Yes, it's it sort is. of like being incubated by yes. a, lar- excuse, a larger operation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what, they weren't just roses then. Just roses. Oh, okay. Wow. I just, I feel just simple. Just roses. Leave the arranging to Erin. Okay. And they were gorgeous because I went to pick up my vegetables. You did. <laughs> <laughs> and like, hey. cooler smelled so phenomenal. Um, Elaine, you want to add anything about living here on the island and how it's changed your life? You moved here from the Bay Area, so. Oh, it's just amazing night and day um, lifestyle. I mean, it sounds kind of trite, but. It's true. People know one another, mm. and people who um, who work together become friends and um, refer each other. So it's much more um, interconnected than a suburb or a big city. Sure, I haven't worked here. I've been retired. Since right, I've been here, but um, I see how people rely on one another. And and men also are very independent in mm-hmm. being able to do things themselves. Jenny has taught me tons of things and given me confidence to do things I would have never even thought of doing. Propagating plants, right? Like that. You have um, a greenhouse. You're going to start yeah, things so from seeds. She me. builds things now. Oh, I love it. Well, that's overstating it. <laughs> but um, it's it's really fun and and uh, just learning uh, the basics of gardening is a lot more in depth than what I used to do, which was just go to the nursery, find the pretty plants. I was always interested, yeah. But this is much more having to do with the ecology and what you're doing with your land and um, working with the drought tolerance and all the other things that nature provides. And kind of becoming an observer of your 
seasons and, and making choices based on that. Okay. Isn't there a thing? On, I don't know. When I was on Lopez, there was this thing where like if a car is coming toward you, you have to wave. That's Lopez. Is that Lopez? <laughs> okay. Lopez. Oh, that doesn't happen here. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I think about that a lot. And I remember I, I learned that when I was visiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fun. Um, yeah. So Aaron, you're, um, you're, you're like a veteran now. You've done h- how many <laughs> island weddings and you sound so positive. I, I love that you're um, love your couples. And I think that's got to be that, you know, you're putting out into the world the type of work you want to do. And, you know, we've heard that said by many of our, you know, our floral design, you know, inspiration gurus, um, that we should be doing that Mm -hmm. uh, in order to avoid the stress, the stressed out, you know, couple or the crazy bride. Um, but you're, it sounds like this is happening, not just in the couples, but with the farms you buy from mm-hmm. and with the vendors you work with. And it's, it's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy that you chose to move here and, and found this life for yourself. It really is. And I think when you have your own business, you can really choose, you know, who you're going to work with and who kind of continues to feed that soul. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I do feel really, um, really fortunate to have found such a great group of growers and, so do you think you'll ever team up with these ladies and do a floral design workshop here on the island? That would be super we fun. We have talked about this because I have, well, wild dreams and Aaron's part of them. I think that yeah. uh, there's a, a, I mean, the islands can sell themselves to get people interested to come up, but to have a chance to uh, design and work with local locally grown flowers in a beautiful place I could see it being a really appealing workshop have to be a wet a weekend when you don't have a wedding that's true true. or that Jenny doesn't have a you know a big install or something yeah (laughs) all right I'll come back for that yep thank you all ladies it's been so wonderful really enjoyed it thank you so much for joining my conversation today on our lovely and inspiring tour of the San Juans, especially San Juan Island where Camas Designs and Catkin are based. I'm so inspired by the conscious choices of my two guests, choices that they have made to establish lives and businesses in an environmentally precious place on the planet. I hope you have learned at least one lesson from their stories and I would love to hear your thoughts and comments. Please reach out and share them in the post at DebraPrinzing.com. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood-framed greenhouses, offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon-made, using twin-wall polycarbonate manufactured in Wisconsin, making Northwest Green Panel structures a great value for your backyard. The 8x8-foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden. Check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes or visit Northwest Green Panels to see more. nwgreenpanels.com Now, let's visit Manika Pugh of Flores and Bouquets in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Manika and her husband, Glenn Pugh, tend to an urban flower farm where, as she says, they concentrate on stuffing as many perennials in their front and backyard as possible. They also rent a small garden space west of town to grow annuals and have recently expanded to a neighbor's borrowed lot. Manika continues, I got started in the flower business because of adventure and always wanting to follow my instinctual heart for growth. Growing various perennials and annuals has always been a labor of love for me, so I thought I would gather my seasonal blooms and bring them to a farmer's market that I was already attending. When they didn't sell well, I followed my heart to a local specialty store who placed their first order of artisan bouquets that same week. Thus, Flores and Bouquets was born. Well, let's hear more from Monica herself as part of our South Dakota Spotlight in the 2019 50 States of Slow Flowers series. excited today to continue our 50 states of slow flowers series for the slow flowers podcast that's our theme for 2019 we've made our way through the alphabet and we are landing today in south dakota and i'm delighted to introduce manika 
Pugh, who owns Flores and Bouquets in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hi, Monica. Hello, Deborah. How are you? I am great. I'm looking at your beautiful website right now while we're talking. So I'm looking at you virtually. <laughs> uh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So um, two, two confessions. We have two members in South Dakota. So you're, when you joined, you like doubled the membership. So thank you for being part of this. Um, and I just would love to have you share your story about florists and bouquets. Give us a snapshot. You call it an urban flower farm. So give us a snapshot of where you are and what you're growing. So I am florists and bouquets. We are an urban flower farm in the middle of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I am within walking distance to downtown and Falls Park. Um, so, um, and that's why I call myself an urban flower mm -hmm. farm. Sure. Is, um, I concentrate on perennials in my yard. So as many things as I can stuff in my yard. I also rent a space west of town out in the country where I grow a lot of my annuals and things like that. Wow. Um, just recently this, this spring, um, the neighbors north of us um, have they actually it's like a two city lot it's and one home on it and um, so it's quite a bit for them and they have a lot of rentals in town so it's a lot for them to have to take care of and they finally let me grow back there on the back part of their property and um, which we already had a gate that opened up into their property because they would let us drive back behind there mm. to get to the back of our property because we have an urban wood line behind our property on the back. So we have no neighbors on the back side of our property. And so I brought in 16 tons of dirt, um, this spring and compost. And my husband, and I, uh, my husband is my handyman. He does <laughs> all my head work for me. <laughs> Thank God I have him. He's such a, <laughs> he's a blessing. <laughs> Yes, and, and we uh, should so we should he, say his name. His he is um, uh, Glenn, right? Is he Glenn Glenn, Glenn Pugh yes. as well? Yes, less yes, is hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so so we had this. Um, it was on a Thursday where they dumped all the dirt in back, and um, Saturday we took the entire day, spread it all out by hand, tilled it had our rows marked our rows and um and then monday i had everything planted up my goodness so um yeah so, so along now, with our west side yeah so area. now you kind of have three growing areas it sounds like your own residence Correct. the land you lease and then this adjacent property right wow have you expanded beyond perennials then um monica because it seems like maybe you're you can go plant some annuals now Yes. So I start all my annuals downstairs in the basement. Um, come January, February time, um, I'm already starting seeds down there. I have a little area where I call my germination station and where I germinate seeds. And I do soil blocking mm -hmm. because I have such a small, small space. Soil blocking gives me the opportunity to get a lot of seeds started in a small space. And, and you so, don't, and you um, don't have all that plastic to deal with. I mean, it's kind of green in that regard too, right? Right, right exactly. And so um, that's true. Yes. And so then um, once they are done germinating, I get them off the heat, and I have other areas and shelves where I have grow lights and things like that. And so um, I have grow lights on my back porch <laughs> and <laughs> a few places downstairs in my basement. And it has just worked out to where, so all my annuals, I start from seed. I haven't bought any plugs or anything as of yet. And um, so just, I start all my annuals. And so a lot of my annuals, I do grow out in my space out west that I lease, the land that I lease. How, because how, there's just more room there. How much is that space, acreage-wise? It's, uh, it's under an acre, by far. Um, I would say it's uh, what did I figure? 35 feet wide by, I would say, 60, 70 feet long. Pretty much you're doing this by yourself uh, with Glenn's help. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Right. Um, Last year I did have an intern, but um, this year I did not. Where are you selling your flowers or how are you selling your flowers? 
So I have um, a specialty, uh, an organic, it's a Mm co-op. And so they are used to local farmers and local produce. And so I sell there um, wholesale wrapped bouquets. Mm -hmm. And then I also do, I have some flower subscriptions. Um, I also do like Mother's Day. First thing, Mother's Day is my big, my big first sale sales. And, um, so I have tulips and so for that. And so I run specials. A lot of my customers that I have gained, they know, okay, Manika is going to have, uh, tulip arrangements for mother's day mm. and, and things. And so they'll buy a, two or three, sometimes four or five arrangements for mothers, grandmothers, you know, and things like that. Mm. So it's just trying, it's just, um, getting the word out. Um, Something like this is very, very new for Sioux Falls. <laughs> so you're, um, yeah, and you have a beautiful website. I'll, I'll make sure I share a link for people to see what you're doing. It looks like you have, um, yeah, un- under services, um, there's, you know, opportunities to do a la carte weddings, CSA bouquet subscriptions, right. and then special events, and kind of everyday um, occasion-driven. Yes. A yes. lot of this really relies, it seems to me, on... Um, relationships, like people getting to know you and knowing yeah. that you can be their local florist as well as a flower farmer. Correct. Wow. And I do, I have sold a few wholesales to, to some local florists as well, mm. if I have mm-hmm. extras. And, um, so it's just, um, I do have, I have certain, um, like a real estate company that will call me for birthdays and things like that. Mm. Um, and, um, flower subscriptions and weddings. Yeah. So I've already booked some weddings for next year. And so it's nice. Yeah. Wow. Well, tell us, Manika, how you got to this place, because uh, I can tell you've been a lifelong gardener just by, you know, reading your bio and and kind of your, you know, catching, I guess, catching a sense of your, your enthusiasm and passion for growing. Right. Right. I was, I took horticulture in high school. That was my science credit. Um, I've always done, um, whenever I've traveled and lived in other States and had apartments or whatever, I always gardened. I always had flower pots or something. I was, I've always Mm. grown. Mm -hmm. So how I got started was a few years back, about four or five years ago, I was making homemade jams and jellies and selling them at a farmer's market. And a group of us, a group of the vendors and I had decided to start our own farmer's market. And so we had got this farmer's market going and there was nobody there with flowers. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I have a ton of flowers already growing in my yard. Just um, from, that's always been a passion of mine. And so I seriously, I I just threw some zinnias, (laughs) zinnia and cosmo seeds out in my front yard, just kind of add with what I already had. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I would go forage for other things, too, to add to the bouquets. And um, I was bringing those bouquets to the market, and unfortunately, they didn't sell very well. And so I just thought, there's got to be another avenue. There's got to be another way to sell these. And so my gut was just telling me to go to a particular um, specialty foods store. And... um, I, I went in, um, and I, with some flowers so they could see what my product was like. And I was, I remember I was so scared. I was scared (laughs) to death, but I just went and did it anyway. Good for you. And I said, Hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I have no idea if you even need a flower vendor, but I just thought I'd come in and check. And, um, the gal there, my contact person said it, well, actually, we are losing our flower vendor and we're looking for one. And um, so it was a perfect timing mm-hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. that was like Monday, Tuesday of the week. It was the beginning of the week. And she said, and by the way, we'd like our first delivery this Thursday. <laughs> and so it what? happened very quickly <laughs> and very fast. What year I was that? I only had like two days to, um, let's see, this is my fourth growing season. Oh, okay. Wow. Now. Wow. So yeah, it was only, it was only four years ago. And so I was like, okay, 
uh, <laughs> I had a couple days to come up with a name and, um, I went ahead and got a separate business license from my other uh, business that I was doing. And, um, I was like, okay, we're going to do this thing. <laughs> that is great. And I mean, that's if, how I got started. Yeah. And if you hadn't, you know, kind of put yourself out there, you'd still be frustrated at farmer's markets. And I bet you you're not even selling right. at farmer's markets anymore. Are you? I'm not. Um, uh, couple years back my husband was like we've he's had enough with farmers market he's like I'm not doing anymore oh well but um there is a new one in town for next year I've already talked to them and it's on a Thursday it's a Thursday midweek market and um it looks like a lot of fun I'm probably gonna do that next year so we'll see how that goes well, part of it is also probably figuring out how to balance all these multiple channels of uh, how your flowers move through the week. And if you're, um, you know, if Thursday's a good day to have product that might not last. And that's a great, that's a great way to break up the week. Right, right. It is. Yeah. So um, what is your growing season? I know that you're in the um, northern prairies uh, of the U.S. So you've probably already had your first frost. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we are in a zone four. In town here, I'm a zone 4B. So, and I'm kind of sheltered from the homes and the woods out back. So typically in the country, we'll, they'll get hit first. And then here, things are kind of, some most of the time are um, kind of, uh, they're, they don't get the first frost usually right away or it's bad. Sure. So it's kind of extended that way. But, um, so I would say I, now this last, it always depends on the weather. Sure. But, um, so I am seasonal May through October. So usually it's the end of May, the first part of October, I have flowers. So, um, so we work really hard for Mother's Day is our big push. I love that. Sale. That's such a great way to debut flowers for the whole the whole year too, because people are so ready by then, and it kind of gives you yeah, a, a holiday. Yeah, a holiday. Yeah, with, yeah. And tulips mean like right now you're probably planting and planning for mm-hmm. spring. Yes. To get those in the ground. Yeah, so actually, today I will be getting. Um, we're small, so I have twelve hundred to tulips to get in the ground today so we'll we'll get that done and then um dahlias also i have some peonies that will be coming in here either today or tomorrow as well so i'll get those the ground's already prepped and ready for those to go so Mm, that's exciting i love it so um i mentioned that you're one of the first um people to join sunflowers in uh, south dakota and i'm so happy about this and i'm just curious what the kind of um I mean, Sioux, Sioux Falls is one of the biggest cities in the state, so you probably have right. a little bit more of a foodie scene or people understanding the artisan agriculture and, and kind of maker craftsperson vibe. Yes. Is that kind of influencing your customers? Um, that's actually who I market to mm, mm-hmm. is that crowd, that scene. Mm-hmm. Because they are familiar, the foodies and and that type of an artsy crowd, they're familiar with the, the, and even the local foods, Mm -hmm. they are still trying to push out here too. That is still something fairly new out here, even for local foods producers, they're still working on educating the community and educating people, um, out here on that aspect. So I'm kind of on the tail end of that. Um, they are, they, that is my customer as well but it is it's an education thing and even educating the stores that I grow that I sell to and stuff like that is a process thanks for doing that I mean I I would imagine what is going to happen is as you become more well-known emerging uh, farmer florists and floral and flower farmers are going to uh, you know see what you're doing and have confidence to maybe try growing something themselves or maybe there are vegetable growers who will pivot to flowers. I don't know if you've heard from people like that. Yes. Yes. And, um, I hope so. It is, there are times where I feel like I really, I'm really struggling for the education part. I feel like it's, 
And that it, it is frustrating because you see, you know, I'm originally from Washington State. That's right. So the mindset there is so different. And, you know, there's flower farmers everywhere. And that's something common and usual. Here, that's the unusual and the uncommon. So it is hard. Yeah. That way. All right. Well, we're, we're rooting, rooting you on. Uh, I Thank am, you. I, I love that you're going to go plant 1,200 tulip bulbs after we get off the phone and then maybe uh, uh, how many <laughs> how many peonies do you have to put in actually i only there's only 18 mm. that i purchased mm-hmm. but um so it's it's not a whole lot but it's a lot for my yard yeah so so i'm always rethinking of ways to get the most out of my space so for instance the south side of the house um there were some things growing I didn't like to design with it. I couldn't sell it to other florists. They didn't care for it either. So we just ripped all that out. And I said, you know, I'm just going to put peonies. I'm going to put something there that's going to be a potential moneymaker. And and so every perennial that I have in my yard is something that I can use in my own design work or in my bouquets, or it's got to be able to have a money value to it. Absolutely. Some, you know, in order for it to be in my yard. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. But so eight, we're always restructuring. Things. Yeah. And 18 peonies are going to get you hooked and you're going to, you know, in a couple of years, realize you need more peonies and, you know, you'll find space. Somewhere well, I else. already, I already have some already. So <laughs> these oh, are just I see. different colors <laughs> and different varieties that I don't already have. So, yeah. Well, I love what you wrote on your uh, website where you said, I dream one day of having my own acreage with a home that I can share with others. A B&B flower farm with an old-fashioned barn to host events would be the ultimate. Uh, yes. Be careful what you wish for. It sounds beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, and that's why you know, my husband and I have always wanted acreage and we've always wanted to live in the country. But it's like, you know, who knows when that or if that will ever happen. And so what are you going to do with what you have right now? I love that message. It's like you, 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 instead of waiting to kind of find the perfect dream farm, you just made your, your urban environment, your farm. And I, I think that's going to inspire right. a lot of people who think, Oh, I, yeah. I don't have land, but you're doing it. And, um, well, will you share right. some photos of your, of your garden and your growing areas to illustrate yes. how you're doing it? I think it's exciting. Yeah. Yes. Great. We are um, getting ready. We are in the process. We've got to build our building permit and um, we are building a greenhouse out back as well. Um, oh, wow. So, so, so having the letting our, our neighbors letting us use their property next door is giving us the more space on our end to where we can build this structure. It's not that big. It's, it's 20 feet by 12 feet, mm, but um, it's bigger than mine. So it's, it's starting. Yeah. It's and, starting. So we're and, excited about that. And then the germination station will move out of your basement and into the greenhouse. Is that your plan? Um, not right away. So mm. it's, um, it's not going to be heated right away. I see. And, but I don't know if that'll be cost effective to, to do that, but to be able to, um, grow some things, um, to extend my season, I'm hoping for that. And then I'm also hoping we're also in the uh, planning stage still of um, seeing if we can do some shelving that will fold down. So that way that space will also be for classes oh, and, and yeah. some things that I can do as well. So oh, wow. we're trying to do a dual purpose thing here. Mm-hmm. So we've we're going to be learning along the way here. Oh, well, we'll be rooting for you. And I, I love that, that dual purpose idea, like a 10 by 12 foot greenhouse you would be perfect for a small workshop. And, um, and then you're right. in the heart of the flowers and people are really going to be inspired by that. Yeah. So I'm excited. I am really happy, Manika, that we've gotten to know each other and um, that your flowers are changing the, I don't know, the about where flowers come from in South Dakota and um, yeah. you share some photos of your designs and your and all your spaces and we'll get people to follow you on social media and get to know you better and uh, we'll um, I hope to visit you someday soon that would be wonderful oh my gosh you're welcome anytime okay thanks a lot thank you bye-bye
check out photos that Manika has shared and find links to Flora's and Bouquet's social places in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. They're so beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 534,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprincing.com. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.